This is the Dodcast. I'm your host, Nathaniel Dodson. In today's podcast, I sat down in the kitchen with Max Grudzinski, a Philly photographer who's become a friend of mine over the past few years. Max and I bumped into each other through a co-working space here in Philadelphia, where I was a member, and we've just kind of stuck together ever since. I even hired him to photograph my very own wedding just a few years ago. Max and I talk about getting into photography and how he got his start in wedding and other photography and how it all goes down on the day of a wedding. The film company he works with and all of their red cameras, his passion for skiing, the dangers of that sport, and the bizarre story of when he had his fingers and toes cut off. We talk about all that and a bit more in this, the seventh episode of the Dodcast. Welcome to the Dodcast, everybody. It's my podcast where I talk about things that I'm interested in with people who are, you know, usually much cooler than myself. And today I got my buddy, Max Grudzinski, with a long last name like that. How can you forget it? Um, I guess I, the, big, the biggest ringing endorsement I can give you is you're the guy who I had photographed my wedding. And I mean, part of it was because the guy who I really wanted called out at the last minute. Of course. But- <laughs> <laughs> no, but you did a great job on it. I'm still working on retouching the images. I think we're three years on from it. Um, but um, how you doing, man? Thanks for being here. I appreciate you yeah, being here. It's uh, pretty much a, my biggest honor of the week to be here. And uh, I won't take any slights at you, but I really appreciate uh, being here and being asked to be on it. Very cool, man. Um, so you, you grew up in the Philly area. Uh, my whole life. Yeah, you've done you've done a lot of different photography stuff. You work with is it Maestro Filmworks? How do you pronounce the name? Yes, correct. And they do do they do still photography over there, or is it all? But all all moving stuff. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, we you know I I do their day to day stuff and have been for years. But uh, it's a nice kind of mix where um, I have the support staff and you know people to bounce ideas off of, but then can go out and you know, do my own stuff on a Wednesday, Thursday type deal, and then go back in the shelter of, you know, being around people and having an office setting. You've done a lot of freelance photography. I mean, a reasonable amount, you know, I'm not saying you're like beating down the the world with the amount of freelance work you've done, but you've done a reasonable amount. Is it nice kind of having that office environment, those people around, like you said, to bounce ideas off of? Do you, do you like that more than going at it alone or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a, always like a grass is greener thing with in terms, and I'm sure you've had these experiences where when you're working on contract for someone on for a couple months or, you know, if you're going to the same place every day, you kind of get that itch. So I think what I found is just a really nice balance of doing, you know, being out there on my own, doing the freelance, you know, fighting it alone. And, you know, I know you know what that means, but in just in terms of like shooting, editing, you know, all of it, do the customer service on the back end. First, and, find, and find new clients. Exactly right. <laughs> selling it. I don't want to say selling it, but selling it, shooting it, editing it. You know, it's, it's a lot. So it's really nice to kind of have uh, both. Yeah. So you don't have that grass is always greener feeling. And, you know, it's, it's a great place there. And, We've just built the best team in terms of who's there on a daily basis. And then when we bump out to these bigger groups and these bigger shoots, just everyone that always comes on set and everything has just always been the highest caliber people. So it's been a great way to network and just surround myself with like amazing people. And the owner, Chris, is just, you know, almost family at this point. He's just been a great mentor and influence in my life. So that's super cool. Yeah, I've been over. I mean, I've been over there. It's a nice I want to say a nice little setup, but I almost feel like that's a little derogatory. It's just a nice setup. It's a nice place they got going on and. And that you can tell a lot of time and, and effort and everything went into it. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it definitely, like you said, it, it, it does the job for what we need to do. We were looking at bigger spaces, but really just kind of made it a home for, for the time being. And, 
you know, even like the past couple of weeks, we've just been sprucing up the conference room a little bit and it's kind of nice to just refine and make it homier by the, you know, by the week or the month at this yeah, point. For sure. For sure. Uh, when you were freelancing, what kind of stuff were you shooting? Like what were you primarily going out and shooting? I mean, right now, you know, in the past, I would say two years, there's been a lot of really exciting clients. Um, some have, I've, you know, established a relationship with and keep working with. Unfortunately, some of them due to personnel changes or just, uh, you know, just kind of falling off, uh, have fallen, but you know, uh, it's, uh, I've been doing, you know, just in the past year, a lot more food recently. Um, you know, if I can name drop the name drops, yeah, whatever. Uh, Go for I've been it. doing some work for star restaurants, which has been really rewarding and just, they just launched their sites in the past couple of weeks. And it's, you know, it's pretty incredible to see your stuff at that level. Um, you know, if you, you look at the bigger restaurant groups in Philly, they're definitely at the top of the game. So just to see your images on their site, you know, you sure you have these moments where you're like, am I doing anything at all anymore? You know, is anyone <laughs> even looking? Does anyone even care? And then you kind of see yourself in these lights and show up in these places. And it's like, okay, you know, at least I got here. Right. Um, you know, I did some sports stuff for the Sixers. Uh, that was really rewarding. Lots stuff. of tall people over Lots there. Lots right? of tall people. No <laughs> Apple boxes for once, you know, like I had, for, you, know, you needed the I, yeah, Apple exactly. box. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was really interesting. I got, um, some really cool access to the stadiums, to the players. And, you know, it was an exciting uh, year there. And unfortunately they were one of the personnel changes where it just kind of, they brought isn't, in new people. Isn't that funny? Cause I've had clients like that as well, where you have like your main contact at the company and then that person moves on somewhere else and the, the whole company drops from your radar. And I've, I've often like they, the work you were doing was obviously good enough. Cause like you said, if you worked for them for a year, I mean, you were doing something right. Is it, and and I because there's one company in particular that comes to mind that I worked with, where the guy my main my main contact of the company left. He went to another company, and I've I've never done another job for the company since then. And there's a part of me that's like, should I be reaching out and saying like, hey guys, hey I'm still over here, jumping up and down, waving my arms, or is it just the company maybe isn't quite as organized as I thought? And that guy took the contacts with him, and they're like, who was that photographer in Philly that we had going and doing X, Y, and Z for us? I mean, it's, it's tough because I, I always have that thing, too, where it's like, do you knock down the door? And I, I, I did at one point. You know, I, I kind of – I've done – this is a little trick for anyone. <laughs> um, if you know their all about name, tricks. If you know their naming conventions in their emails and you go to LinkedIn and find who's who on the organization and you use that naming convention and you can pretty much email anyone in that Isn't company. Isn't there a Gmail third-party app that can do that yeah, now or yeah, something? But, I forget what it's called. But, but yeah, I, I do it the old school way. Yeah, so yeah, more I, mean, satisfying. I emailed people above those people and just said, hey, I'm still here. You know, I thought we did good work together. But sometimes you don't hear back. Sometimes you, you, you do. You do kind of ring that person's memory or just remind them that, hey, you are there and you, they'll get back in touch with you. But yeah, I mean, it's it's always tough to kind of let things like that go, but you know, it's just like you just try to fill that you know that void or that gap with more work. In my mind, you know, it's okay that one's gone, like on to the next one. Um, so it's just trying to find a, that next client out there. Right, right. How'd you get into photography? Um, so I mean, it was interesting. I uh, I've been asked this question a lot in my life, obviously, and I was always a recorder, if that makes sense. Like I was always, I remember getting my first camera for Christmas, like this little point and shoot Canon, and literally went around my house and photographed every Christmas decoration. You know, my mom was just like an amazing decoration. So we, I you know, got the tree and got some of my dad playing piano and just like was always documenting, you know, and just even film. Yeah. I would and not even in video, just in stills, you know, and, and I've always been, no, I'm saying, were you shooting film or was it? Digital no, 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 this was a digital. This is my oh, first okay. digital okay, camera. Okay, so, you. but yeah, so I have, 
And even now, like I have every old hard drive has, I have all my old cell phone SD cards. Like I'm talking old, like the first flip camera phones. I have all those micro SDs. So you're going to be the guy at 65. That's like ancestry.com. You ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> exactly. But like, it's, it's always kind of been a thing for me. And so I think it probably started there. And then I was really fortunate in college to have two professors um, that really like took me under the proverbial wing and we were shooting all film back then. So I learned on film, um, large format was a big step for me. So shooting like four by five, eight by 10 negatives, you know, literally and figuratively. Right. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it just was, well, just, you know, like starting to work at, you know, archival prints that were, you know, a couple of feet big. Yeah. And then we actually, uh, I, a professor of mine was enlarging, uh, big, big time, like eight by 10 negatives. And he was in his dark room in these big baths and stuff. And just having that tactile touch and, you know, shooting these cameras where, you know, the curtain over your head, the big (laughs) bellows and being able to shoot for miles and focus and just really kind of changed the way I viewed it. Um, and you know, coming out of college, I actually built furniture for a couple of years and kind of thought that was going to be the way. And it's a little rough on the body, you know. I'm sure you've done manual label. You know how it feels at the end of the day. I like, try to forget about those days. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just it was a little beating me up a little too much, and I kind of looked at the art space in terms of what I knew how to do. And, you know, I don't want to knock anyone's profession, but for what I could and couldn't do, you know, there wasn't much money in a lot of the the mediums out there. And I saw, I saw photography as the way we communicate, you know, if it's advertising, social media, a magazine, you know, look at social media, it's all photos, you know, it's just, it's the way we communicate as people. And I think there's always a demand for it, you know? So I think I just kind of looked at it, at it from a practical standpoint at one point and really just kind of ran with it. Um, sort of in that hyper-focus way, you know, like sold off a lot of my woodworking stuff, sold off some instruments and really just kind of went into the camera gear and just mm-hmm. haven't really looked back actually. So, you right out of college, you were just right into photography. I mean, I was shooting seasonally, uh, like uh, for a, a couple like kind of cookie cutter uh, photography places. You know, just doing commencement photography and that school photography stuff, and very titillating stuff. Exactly, very exciting work. <laughs> um, but you know, doing some friends' engagements that had just gotten engaged, and that kind of led into the weddings and stuff. So, just kind of following the path that I. Where, where there were no barriers to entry, where you didn't need an agency or a massive portfolio of work, you know, you could, I, and I still do, you know, run my, everything I do out of a backpack, you know, I can go out and shoot with a backpack and a light stand, you know, and yeah. that's how I've always kind of been. I'm, it's my favorite way to go out. And shoot. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to have to bring a truckload of gear. I, I was doing a shoot one time for this DJ down in Miami. I wasn't doing the shoot in Miami. He, he flew up to the Philly area and we were out by the art museum and I had a reasonable amount of gear, I thought. I mean, like six or seven lights, and we were lighting the scene up. It was a big environmental thing we were doing, environmental portrait. And he's looking around. He's like, you really travel light, don't you? I'm like, bro, this is like, this is me maxing out the joint here. You know what I mean? And I'm not necessarily comfortable. I mean, I'm comfortable with it. I just hate carrying all this stuff around. You got to set it all up. I want to take pictures. I want to interact with people. I want to make you laugh. I want to make you smile. I want to hear the stories that come out of your mouth and stuff like that. And, you know, the pictures just kind of happen in between that stuff. And it was, you know, one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess I travel light. I want to travel. I don't want to travel heavy as a photographer. If this is traveling light, I don't want to travel any other way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I always just, 
I've always been one of those people. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I've been robbed, you know, uh, once now where I kind of just reset in terms of Oh, gear. that was that crazy yeah, robbery you yeah. told me. Can you share that story with everybody if you don't I mind? I mean, I was... Because that's a crazy <laughs> robbery story. There's, it's unfortunately happened once at my place and then once at a, a business. But yeah, I literally was out at a concert and got a call from, you know, basically the block captain or the person that looked over the block and uh, someone had basically kicked down my back door and kind of literally cleaned us out. Like it looked like we had moved out of the house, <laughs> all your furniture, and, uh, furniture, everything, everything, like, gone. you know, yeah, everything was gone. My, my change jar, you know, the big jar changed you have to like travel with or your fun money was gone. And it was, it was, uh, it was an eye opening experience in terms of like how to properly insure things, how to properly secure your home. But it was one of those, you live, you learn type things. But I think since that point and having that reset, like being very conscious of the gear I acquired, not taking things I don't need, um, and just kind of like not being impulsive about buying stuff, but kind of waiting for the right deal, you know, or the yeah. right time. Just to, something else somebody can steal from you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, it, it's like almost like, you know, when you think about those like eight light setups and those, you know, massive things, I f- actually find that distracting a lot of times, you know. If, like, I mean, every once in a while I can see where it's, that's legitimately useful. You need to set up a high key set and it's a big studio environment and, th- you know, we, we need to bang out these shots for this magazine. All right. But if I'm out on location, the last thing I want to do is have to plug in. I mean, I've got seven lights out there. I might be using two of them. The other five are just different wattages, different power levels. You just give me some different options. You know, I'm not setting up seven lights on location. What that is is seven sticks going up into the wind that at any moment could be blown <laughs> over. Right. Yeah, I mean, like I always look at that, and I'm sure you know who he is, but the, the Playton model where it's, you know, connection to subject. It's one camera, one light every time, you know, and it's just the same camera, the same light, shoot through umbrella, and it's his connection. Like you just said, it's a connection to subject where the portrait happens. So rather than worrying about, you know, if you're back, what your backlight set to, what everything's set to, you know, just really focusing in on, and, and I've been trying to do that a lot lately. You know, I, I feel like a lot of times I'm so, the more you learn, the more you, you understand about photography, the more things you're thinking about as you're shooting, you know, rather than just the frame and the person in it or the subject matter in it, you know, kind of stripping away and just staying in, in your viewfinder almost rather than all the technical stuff that's out there. Yeah. yeah. And photographers, they love the technical stuff. <laughs> I should say we, I mean, I do geek out about some of the technical stuff, but it's also, I mean, I'll, I'll shoot with a 10 megapixel camera if I have to, and you, it lights light. And the lens you slap on, the other photographer's doing great work with lenses that are decades old. And it's, you know, you're looking through optics and you're capturing the photo. Like, do it. And, and right? I mean, if you, if you, if somebody takes a picture of somebody who you love dearly and, you know, it's with an iPhone and it's moments or days before they die, are you like, I would have liked the photo if it had been a D850? Right, exactly. But because it was a, a digital Rebel XTI from 2000 and whenever, Ah, I'll pass. But, you know, no, and you know, I, I envy the people that have that just raw, like natural talent. I've have a couple friends out there that, you know, kind of came from just the the interest side and now take you know photos that are such a high caliber. And you know, maybe they don't understand the, the all the all rules that a lot of people do or you do, but it doesn't matter. And I almost envy that. You know, that yeah, they can I agree. just go out there and just have that raw eye and that compositional. And I skill. think what's crazy is a lot of those people feel pretty self conscious. Like I don't remember what f stop I shot that photo at. And I'm at the and maybe it's just I'm at the point now. I mean, I, it's not like I've shot forever. I've been taking pictures for seven years. That's not very long. But I'm I'm now even to the point where it's just like so what? It's an amazing picture. Like you can feel what that picture was like to shoot. And those are those photos where it's, it's jumping off the paper at me or to the screen in a lot of cases these days. 
Yeah, I mean, my favorite photo I've probably taken in the past couple of weeks was on an iPhone. At, you know, after that big sun, uh, sunset storm last last weekend, you know, I was on the Schuylkill Riverbanks and I had my iPhone handy and grabbed a shot. And it's literally been my favorite photo I've probably taken in the past two weeks. And it was on an iPhone. So, you know, I, a lot of times you look at all the, the silly stuff we buy and how many hours you spend looking on these gear forms and reading these ratings. And it's... It's always for the comment section for me. <laughs> right. Just go right down to the comment section, and you know there's somebody screaming about something. Yeah, mis- uh, they, they, the joystick isn't tactile enough, or the, the button response is The XO mark gave this a 92 and a half, not a 93. Get your facts straight, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy what people will, will you know, dice and fight about. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's really what you bring home and the camera you have on you. So it's definitely something I think comes in, like, waves or just goes full circle at points. You know, you spend all this time acquiring gear and getting everything set and then you either get bored with it or you know my favorite cameras you know sitting right over there and it's a little tiny fuji that i absolutely love so do you still shoot film i know that's that's a mirrorless right right? yeah i mean i i I do from time to time it's not practical in a professional sense at any means um but it is you know it like i said earlier it's something i learned on and you can't recreate it you know but i i do have those moments where uh i'll shoot a roll of film i'll you know, get it developed, be all excited. And then it just looks like something with an Instagram filter slapped on it. And it's like, okay, well, I just spent all that money and all that time. But there's definitely a, an intention and a cost with every frame now associated with film that I, I do love. So occasionally, but you know, I, all the cameras next to my bed over there aren't just like for show. They all have, they're all loaded with film. So, nice. <laughs> and that's one thing I've, I've used a phase one camera system before in the Pentax, the Z645, I believe it's called. And the one thing that I like, I've never used a Hasselblad or the Mamiya or anything like that. The, the bigger medium formats, the thing that I, that struck me about particularly the phase one, number one, I think I was shooting with like the, is it the 50 to 150 lens? It's like, it's huge. I'll put it to you that way. It's like you're wielding a cannon. I mean, it's giant. And you, it, it doesn't have that agile, I can just whip around and spray and twist and spray and turn and spray a few more shots. It's just very like I'm lumbering into position, settle in, click. And it's just this solid. You feel like you're pushing just like the, the picture through the camera. And it's just a, a whole different feel. And then, of course, I mean, the quality and the just the way aperture works on those, those medium format cameras and all kinds of stuff like that is amazing. Um, but that's one thing that I've, that I've thought. I've, I really haven't shot very much film ever. I accidentally took a film class a number of years ago. And that's the majority of the film I've shot over the course of my life. Other than like throwaway cameras, I guess. You know, every once in a while your parents get, you know, get one for you for the Thanksgiving trip or whatever. And you're just like, ah, I'm going to take pictures. Um, you're a pretty good wedding photographer, and um, what, what like what's your approach when you go into a wedding? When I and I, I only ask this question because when I first started shooting weddings, the biggest question in my head was never anything technically, but rather, what does the client expect from me? And I didn't quite have the guts to just straight up ask the client like I would do later on. But what does the client expect from me, and how do I come in here and know that I'm going to deliver photos that the client's like, whoa? We really like we've got. I mean, I've had brides cry to me after the wedding, not in a good way, right. over the photos that I shot. Um, so, what what kind of things are you looking for? What's going through your mind when you're approaching a wedding project? I mean, there's a couple of things that's obviously changed over the years as I've gotten more comfortable. But I think one thing that you kind of hit on there is a learning what's important to them 
um, you know, almost in like a one through five, you know, and sometimes it's things you're not aware of, you know, if their, you know, Aunt Sally made the wedding cake for them, you know, that's an important thing to them where some people could care less about their wedding cake. You know, it's like things. So you're giving them a questionnaire before you. I used to do it formally and now it's more just kind of a conversation I like to have with them. You know, as I do more, I used to have timelines and put it on my back of my phone and screenshot them and worry about, but I think, you know, after now you're so good. 35, you're like, no, but I after 35 this. a year, there's just nothing like that really anyone could throw at you that I don't think you would be able to, or you just kind of know where to be ahead of time. You know, like, you know, after, if you're shooting a Catholic wedding after the ceremony, they're going to the, like the Mary statue, you just know those things, you know? So it's kind of just knowing where to be, uh, that, you know, allows that comfort level to set in. But I think, you know, one of the things I'm definitely conscious of is, and have become more conscious of is really just building a strong relationship with them right off the bat, with the couple, with their family. Because, you know, one of the biggest things I've noticed is when a couple is, you're photographing them and they're looking at the camera, they're looking at you. So if you don't have a good relationship with them, every single picture, it's going to show in their faces, you know, that uncomfortability, that, you know, that just... If they don't like you, it's going to show. So yeah. the wedding was great, but we hated the photographer. Exactly, and you know, like fortunately, I might have had one of or two of those in the past couple of years, but it has happened to the point where I'm like, okay, I didn't get through to those people, you know. And when I, when I leave a wedding at the end of the night, I'd like to feel like you know I'm cousin Max or Uncle Max, you know. I really like to feel like if we were out or brother Max or in brother. the case of my wedding, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know, like we but we would hang out again, or you know, I would be invited to the the, the anniversary party or something. You know what I mean? Just kind of building a a relationship with their family, their friends, uh, that you're someone that they would want to be there for the day. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting situation to just be kind of thrown into these people's worlds. Maybe you had an engagement shoot, maybe they're complete strangers, maybe they're your best friends, but just being thrown into their world and those pre-existing relationships that they have with their friends and their family and navigating that for, you know, 10 to 12 hours. It's, it's unlike any other, you know, thing really I experience in my, in the professional, you know, sense of what I shoot. And, you know, it's, it's becoming a bit of a chameleon and kind of just adjusting to being that person or that if you have to be that sense of calm for the day and really slow things down if everyone's up on edge, you know, or if people are rushing around, you know, if they're running behind, kind of being the fire behind them to get them out the door so we're not running late. So it's just kind of figuring out what your role is and making sure that that day goes as smooth as possible for them. Did you ever have like a, a wedding where there was a big fight or anything like that? I mean, there's been like definitely some late night shenanigans, some drunken stuff, but for the most part, you know, it's been, it's been pretty civil. You know, I, I haven't had like any huge disasters, you know, no full on brawls on the dance floor. No, like not yet. Some, you know, there's been family dramas here and there and friend dramas here and there and roommate dramas. But for the most part, you know, I, I've been pretty lucky. I've had a few gear disasters, some dead batteries at poor times, but it's those you live, you learn situations where, you know, you learn to keep a extra set of batteries, a CF card, and, you know, a couple double A's in your pocket at all times. So it's, it's, it's amazing what you learn, you know, in that, in that realm. Hmm. That's pretty crazy. What's the, what would you say the most catastrophic thing to happen? Not to get too like, I feel like we're going down a road. No, no, no. Everything bad that's ever happened. I mean, it's, it's, I think there's always that moment where 
you'll set up lighting in the, in the, in the hall, you know, in the reception hall. And yeah, I usually put up flashes on sticks. So I have a couple of flashes in the room and I'll test them 10 times. If I have a second shooter, I'll have him do the walk, you know, from it the always end. works during the test. Right. And then, you know, like the first couple, the couple comes out for the first dance. And I also want to admit to this because some clients might out there notice that I didn't get the shot but, <laughs> right. or, you know, like they'll set off confetti cannons on the dance floor and you know, the, the band's microphone system, they turn it on for the first time and your signals are crossing and you're not talking to your flashes anymore in the room so I've, again another learning thing yeah, communication. right exactly and luckily you know the systems i use you can channel scan so i make the band bring up all their equipment and walk over check the channels to make sure they're clear and find one that i can transmit on because i've had that situation where i'll change the batteries and for some reason you know channel five is full of wireless microphone and dj light stuff and you won't talk so i think just missing those like you know, moments right off the bat are always a little tough you know um but I, I, maybe a blurry kiss in a church once, but I luckily had like another shot of it. So if yeah, a blurry kiss is the worst of it, <laughs> you're, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, there's I've, I've been really, really fortunate. Some dead batteries at some times, and maybe having to switch to a backup camera once or twice because of a mirror lockup or something. But all in all, I've been pretty lucky. You ski? I do. Had you? I, I've always been. I've always wanted to try skiing. I've never done it before. But there are trees on the side of a lot of these hills. And that leaves me with a little room for concern. <laughs> How'd you learn how to ski? Was it something that you'd go upstate? I mean, because like right immediately where we live outside of Philly, we're in Philly, there's not much skiing. But you don't have to drive too far before. There's like little bumps, right, <laughs> right yeah. compared to some of the big mountains e- out there. Exactly. I mean, I was really fortunate. I think, honestly, I think my dad took me up as kind of like a, a going bowling or mini golf type activity. You know, he just thought it would be something we would do one weekend, you know, in the winter. And I think I just loved it right off the bat. It really sunk in. And then my father grew up, you know, up in the Scranton area. And it was a nice way to go up and see his family, stay with my grandmother, you know, see her. to the Poconos. Yeah, we, uh, a little bit above there. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate um, because she lived so close. We would stay with her on the weekends. And then I kind of got into the racing program up there and skied competitively for a couple years and then taught for years. And now up there, I mean, it's, it's a second home up there now. We've got a place with a bunch of other guys. It's a really cool little old converted barn. And, you know, I know the people in the cafeteria, I know the lifties, I know the instructors, like you, you walk in the lodge and you know everyone. So it's, it's really like a home away from home and just the community up there. And obviously there are trees on the side of the thing, but I've, uh, you know, I've, you've managed to avoid them all at this I point. I know I've had, I've had, my, <laughs> oh, you, I, I can count the, you know, I've at least on two hands, the amount of concussions I've had. Um, but yeah, helmets, that explains something. <laughs> just a couple, uh, helmets are a great, uh, invention. And, and it's actually interesting just in the past 10 years to see how many more helmets are out on the mountain now. Um, I mean, I've always worn one cause of the racing, but just seeing a lot of the, you know, even adults now, wearing helmets and it's it's just great you know i think it gives everyone a little bit more security and safety hmm. is it annoying when you run into a newbie on the course you're like come on get over get out of the passing lane no i mean i i'm always helpful you know if i see someone that's like splayed out with their uh their skis off i'm always going to stop and make sure they're okay it's it's like that instructor nature in oh, me but you're too nice man. no i mean luckily i think where we where, <laughs> where we ski it's a, about probably two hours above where all like the philly bus trips go and stuff so okay. Um, it is, it's a little bit thinner up there and it's a more advanced skier. And like I said, it's a, a pretty, a pretty tight community up there. Gotcha, so. okay. Have you ever been on a mountain when there's been an avalanche? Uh, I have, I mean, I've stayed in towns, you know, fortunately I've, I've been able to travel a bit for skiing and some of these bigger towns, uh, they actually create avalanches in the morning. 
So if there's snowfall overnight, they have uh, ski patrol that are, you know, go up there and inspect the snowfall. And if it's unsafe, they will actually set charges into the snow and create avalanches to make it safer for the ski day. Wakes you up too. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Their alarms. Yeah, and some of the towns actually have like air cannons or rocket launchers like in the town, so you'll just hear them shooting at the peaks in the morning. Oh wow! So it's like an it's alarm clock cool. for the entire town. But yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of plates go loose on me, but nothing ever like crazy where I was buried or anything. Nothing we need a helicopter to come and no, dig you out. no, no. Thank That's you. good. Yeah, <laughs> I've been pretty, <laughs> been pretty fortunate. <laughs> Um, cause I've seen on your Instagram and stuff, you'll post photos, you go over to Europe and do some skiing. You go with your dad. I thought you guys went to Austria every year, Hungary we, or one of those. We did for years. We had a good friend, uh, who ran trips over there. Um, I mean like a, you know, an uncle to me at this point, but unfortunately he's gotten a little bit sick in the past few years and just doesn't, uh, run trips anymore. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the company that he ran it through has other groups that go over. So we've kind of hopped around with different groups depending on where we're going. But yeah, it's, it's a great group of people and i feel super fortunate to have those experiences but you know people always talking about going out west and believe it or not um when you factor in the group rates it's actually a little bit cheaper to go over there skiing the, the a day of skiing over there is about a quarter of what it costs out west so wow. and the mountains are just like, well you got the swiss alps right so. yeah i mean the mountains are amazing the the culture is amazing and it, it it's their national sport over there you know it's what they do it's what they grow up doing you know we play baseball and football and they ski so from a very young age it's it's a part of their culture and just you know the the, the small town feel that you get there and the people are excited that you're there in these remote towns as an you know they're just excited to talk to you about Try new foods oh yeah the, i mean the, the what's yeah. the food scene like over in a, in a play i mean like austria i don't know some town yeah, I mean, the, the most amazing thing is actually like on the mountain. So, you know, uh, a ski lodge in the U.S., not all of them, but in the East Coast, you tend to have these like hot dog, hamburger, heat lamp situations, you know, or right. pizza and stuff. And over there, exactly. They actually they have the most amazing little like huts all over the mountain and you're eating like fresh soup, salad, delicious steak. Uh, you know, they, they really take the pride in it and they all have these big snow caps that actually snow cap the ingredients up to their place every morning. And you're sitting out in these lounge chairs, the music's blasting and they just take a lot of pride in it. You know, it's not a, a, a you know, three hour old hot dog. It's a fresh pizza plate. You need it, from what I hear, it's like the cheese, the cream, the butters, the, all the dairy products over there. It's, it's like a different ball game. I mean, you're, it's, it's all, it's all locally sourced. You're literally eating cattle that you can probably see. You know, they, a lot of the towns have cattle on the mountain and they bring them into the villages in these big barns during the, during the winter months. But you know, you'll walk through the town and see these rows of barns, you know, of all these guys. Euro feel. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it really is amazing. The food's so, so fresh over there, and everything's coming, you know, from down the road somehow or another, you know, and I just feel like it's a sense of pride for them. And it, I, I love the food over there. It's definitely one of the reasons why. And just to experience that kind of culture and the, the apres ski, you know, the the drinking and the, the festivities literally every day from 2 to 4, you know, on the mountain. Everyone just has a good time, and it's it's a blast. Mm. So if you if you were to tell somebody about your hobbies, skiing is like your your number one hobby. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I mean, it's like photography, skiing. Unfortunately, I you know I've had a couple injuries throughout the years, and 
you know, like surgeries and stuff, but uh, skiing, I won't give up. I don't care if I'm doing it on a, you know, a one, <laughs> one ski leg. and a sled, yeah. I'm going to do it. So yeah, you can't, it's one of the ones I won't give up. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And then photography and skiing, have they ever crossed, ever gotten to shoot uh, like ski competitions? It's or? so funny you asked that because I had a conversation a couple of months ago with someone and they asked a similar question and it's just like, it's a stupid thing that I've never done. I've never reached out to you know, anyone in that realm. And it, it is such a logical place for my yeah, interest I would feel like me. you would know, you know, like, oh, this person's about to do this. Right. This would be a cool picture. Whereas I'd be sitting there like, oh, they just did a thing that I should have <laughs> taken a picture. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's like one of those things where I just, I've never made the connection and I don't know why. You know, mm-hmm. I wish, I kind of wish I had. And maybe it's something, you know, maybe off this conversation. But another thing is, and I think you alluded to it, is just in this area, on the East coast, we get maybe three months of skiing, yeah. you know, you know, out West or, you know, even up in Vermont, you get, they'll ski in, you know, until March, May, like late, or late spring. And well, here, the amount of snow we've been getting this year. You know, it, it's been great. You know, it has been, it, it was one of the best seasons. I, I spent more time up there this year than I think I have in three or f- three or f- I mean, even five years because of just how good it was. And even a couple of weeks ago, they were still skiing. So it's I, the whole mountain was even open, which is crazy for this late in the year. So, and the Norwegians, they're up there <laughs> 10 months. There's a reason that, they beat us in every winter Olympic <laughs> ever. Yeah, I just think unfortunately it's just, you know, it's a it's not a huge culture on this coast in this area, but I, I mean, I, eventually I'd like to have my ski bum years and end up in a ski town at ski. some point. And it's all skiing, never snowboarding? No, I, I've tried, you know, I tried a couple times when I was younger and I just don't like the sensation of it. I don't enjoy being locked in like that. And I think it's, you know, it's just one of those things It's where you start, you know, I started skiing and I think that's where it'll probably and <laughs> gotcha. well, hey, got to end somewhere. Right? <laughs> See, I, unfortunately for myself, I feel like my skiing trip would end plastered to the side of a tree. <laughs> like here, here lived so and so. So, getting back to photography a little bit, um, how did how did you get jobs that you like the stuff you were doing, the work you were doing? Was it all word of mouth stuff? Was it? Yeah, I mean, I started really, really scrappy. I think I even met you pretty early on and reached out to you through the Indy Hall folks. Yeah, that's right. That's um, right. Yeah. yeah, somebody I, at Indy Hall pointed you in my direction or me in your direction or something like that. Yeah, I, I think I got a couple of names um, and just reached out and just said, "Hey, I'm interested." And, you know, how do I how do I do this? And Shoot, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. I was wondering how I got to know you. I'm like, yeah, I think it, it was like I, th- I was going back to it today, and I think that was it. I think yeah, I kind of I went, do. I remember who it was at Indy Hall that came to me and said, "I know this guy." Yeah, I mean, that was it. I, 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 that's the beauty of Philly, as we both know. You know, everyone knows everyone, and it's just been such a great place to, to kind of come on the up and up in this in this world, you know, in the creative world over here. Because I feel like if you can't shoot it, someone else will give it to you, you know, and I'm the same way now, just passing off names and jobs, and everyone refers everyone, and it's kind of this big movement. But, I mean, I, I remember years ago putting ads on craigslist honestly like just finding you know these web design companies or these one-off shoots and stuff and just kind of building you know and i always had this kind of thing in my head where i never wanted to over promise or you know try to go out and do something i wasn't comfortable with you know and really probably in hindsight has held me back a bit but until i really feel like i'm comfortable doing something you know and and like you're asking about weddings you know i've shot 35 a year for the past couple years now so that's just something i know i can do but in terms of like, even I look, you know, the work that you do, like, I don't know if I would feel comfortable going out and saying like, okay, I can really achieve that, that look. You That's know? pretty easy. Trust me. No, I mean, you know, it's, it's gotten better over the years, but it's just, it's one of those things where I've just been very conscious of my abilities and what I pr- say I can and can't do. I think you go, I mean, I'm just, uh, the stuff I do, I don't think is that good. So I think it'd be easy for you to be like, oh, 
give me a day. Well, I mean, it's more just the, the the knowledge, you know. And I remember the first time I even saw gels go on a flash. I was with you, you know. I didn't oh, know really? what CT. Yeah, I didn't know what warming and cooling was, you know. And I saw you putting like some, you know, some warm warming gels on a, and you created a sun in the middle of the woods, basically on a gigantic boom light. And I had never seen anyone do that. So, again, I think it's just kind of surrounding yourself. I remember at the, just with people that are better than you that you look up to, and trying to just glean as much information off them as possible. That. And yet you still spend time with me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So what, what kind of you, – you do film work over with Maestro. Um, you're a studio manager. Would that be an appropriate title yeah. to give you? Yeah, I mean we've definitely – we've had a bit of a, a, a move this year. We kind of closed a wedding brand that we had been running. So there's been a little bit of change in responsibility over there in terms Just of – Just a lot of commercial work now? Yeah, I mean it's, uh, it's a lot of corporate stuff. We're doing some really, really fun um, kind of whimsical stuff. I don't know if you saw, but we're doing these uh, short stories on just for Instagram. We're doing these one-minute long films. Oh, no. uh, they're called Make Long Story Shorts is the handle. But it's just kind of an internal challenge where it's like a one-minute film two characters mm. one location uh one minute no budget so it's just whatever we have laying around and whoever we can pull in for talent and it's just kind of creating for and these go up on their instagram page? they go up on it has its own handle um and it's it's been a blast you know just really kind of fun to because i don't really write or direct or you know have much of a head in the video world and just to be able to kind of bounce these ideas off the people that are much better than I am and create these kind of cool little worlds that are a minute long has been really, really eye opening and fun for me. So, yeah, I mean, we obviously, they obviously do a, a lot of, you know, bigger corporate work and had the fortune of doing a really cool creative piece last winter. It was kind of my first foray into that, but yeah, it's, it's been a really awesome place for me to learn uh, a lot about it. Um, you know, I'm in no way a film guy by any means, but just being around <laughs> There's it. There's so much. I know. There's so much that goes into so well, And much it's of one of those stuff. things that, like, you can only, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, just, like, selling off a lot of my tools and, like, the instruments and stuff, really just hyper-focusing on photography, you know, and just kind of staying in that vein and trying to learn and, you know, be the best I can be at just that, you know. Uh, the, I saw they put an Instagram post up, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago at this point. Just, uh, they got four red cameras. <laughs> yes, that, was a, that was an auction an auction play, but yeah. <laughs> so have you gotten to use any of them? Or like what? Yeah, we shot my, uh, my first, uh, my first my, my entrance into the long story short on one of them. And it was actually cool because, again, in terms of coloring and the post, I had never really done it. And just, you know, learning what like different logs are and all this, like these yeah. buzzwords that you always There's hear. More logs than you ever care. Like, why can't there just be one log? That's what I always wished. Like, why can't Sony and Canon and every other company that has their own log just make something that's very standard and uniform? I mean, I and I ask all the time. We were driving in the car, I think, uh, yesterday on coming back from lunch, and people were throwing out words. And I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, because I just, you know, I, I try to turn it into a sponge as much as possible. But it was really cool. One of our editors just kind of let me use the uh, the red software. And it's like a, you know, it looks like Lightroom. You know, there's yeah. there's a curve. There's It's incredible, the, the dynamic range. Like, what you can bring back and bring it even if you if you take red footage into premiere premiere has like a dialogue box that pops up that isn't there for regular non-red footage and it's kind of like this is what you've been looking for in premiere all this time it was it was i mean it was a blast it's just like play with the sliders and kind of be able to you know at least take a, a shot at coloring it myself you know and just it's the same as you know the hsl panel in lightroom you know you basically and it was it was fun it's it's really cool to have those little like you know, glimmers and looks into it and you know get to get my hands on it for a second and just try to like i keep saying learn as much as humanly possible 
Do you do a lot of your retouching in Photoshop or Lightroom? Um, I mean, I think it depends, as you know, more than anyone. Um, but in terms of like weddings and stuff, it's a lot of Lightroom. You know, it's big calls, big shoots. You know, if you have two shooters, you're coming back with 3,400 images and just being able to, you know, X and Z and uh, knock them out really quick and then create, you know, batch actions and stuff and kind of get through it. But for that, you know, those clone stamp situations or that high level retouching, I'm definitely in Photoshop for them. So. And do you prefer one program or the other? Just in terms, I know there's some jobs that you're always going to use Photoshop for, but I'm just saying, I know people that dread going into Photoshop. I mean, I, I think Lightroom definitely <laughs> faster in terms of processing, but I, uh, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where the more I learn about it, you know, I learn shortcuts and little stuff every every day. A lot, you know, I would say early on, I was always looking at like you know your top vid stuff and just kind of like taking on what I could and you know even if I would go through the archives and try to find a picture that looked like you know whatever your tutorial was doing just to have a similar image and I you know I definitely find you know even just uh looking at photographers actions you know I've I've interacted with some photographers that are you know pretty big names on you know in the social media world Instagram world and having them send over presets and seeing you know what their mat curves look like or what their s curves look like and it's crazy just, what people can do with curves isn't it yeah i mean it's it's just really interesting to see you know like there's there's a guy out there and we he had like a promo running and i direct messaged him and he was kind enough to say like oh sure i'll, I'll send you the whole preset pack over and just to see where his his how his s curve is so flat compared to you know probably the ones you and i build there was a photographer who i'd reached out to about doing some stuff with tutvid and i got a very Kind of nasty response back, sort of like, no, I will never reveal how I do what I do. And it was like, I mean, he did some really cool composite work. It's no one that's famous who does composite stuff, not like a Joel Grimes type guy, but he did really cool. I and mean, he had some stuff in his portfolio that was really, really cool. I was like, just, it'd be cool if you would share it. I mean, there's obviously a lot that goes into it. And somebody, you, the thing about photography is you can't just see somebody show you how they do something and you're immediately going to go out and replicate what they do. In fact, you're probably never <laughs> going to be able to do that. It's one of the things that I love so much about photography is it's very difficult to, to, uh, to do that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you're one of the people, I, like I said earlier, I, I learned tons off of, you know, I always joke that uh, my college should forward my tuition to YouTube, you know, because mm -hmm. I learned in the film era, you know, mostly film and just digital editing at the level it exists now was not a thing that was like really taught. You know, so I've had to learn a lot of these things, you know, on the fly, you know, on tutorial videos and stuff. And, you know, I've always been one of those people and I've, I've run workshops for lighting and stuff and definitely had people reach out, you know, how do you take this shot? How do you do this? And especially in the wedding industry, like I'm always happy to, I'm not protective over it. You know, it's, if you understand the, you know, that the golden rules of, you know, ambient light versus flashlight and the, you know, the way that. Your, you know, your f-stop affects, you know, your flash exposure versus your ambient light yeah. exposure. Shut. That's if, a big, that's a big thing. That's a golden rule, I think. Like, yeah. that's one of the things that the second you get photography becomes, like, you know, you can control it. You know, and I think it's one of those things that a lot of people don't fully understand. And every workshop I have, I've kind of done, like, 101s and 201s. But I spend the first time, like, the first, you know, half hour just making sure that everyone in the room understands that idea. You know, because a lot of people don't understand that you can shoot at 40th of a second with flash and just open that ambient light up to such a beautiful place. And it's one of those things. But I've always been very... I'm never guarded about anything, you know, I, I, I'm not, people aren't reaching out on a daily basis, but when I do get those inquiries, you know, I'm always happy to help or help them select a camera or a lens or whatever I can do. 
Yeah, no, I love sh- – I mean, obviously, I love sharing. <laughs> I try to share everything that I learn. There's not really – I mean, even when it comes down to like contract stuff, if somebody will ask me, do you have this in a contract or should I include this in a con- – I mean, I'm no lawyer, of course, uh, but – I mean, I'll tell you the way I'm working. I mean, I was just talking to a guy who runs a production company slash agency, and they they represent a, a huge number of photographers. They kind of have them in their under the fold, if you will. And we were talking about some some contract stuff, and I was just very open and candid. You know, here's this is the amount of money we talked about, and this you know this is how this guy handled this part of the contract, and you know he was kind of you know I don't know that I quite would have done it that way, you know that kind of thing. Um, and it's just I don't care if I'm doing something wrong. If I'm do- even if I'm doing something illegal, I'd rather know so I can correct it <laughs> right. than just be like, oh shoot, the IRS is knocking on my door now. Something's gone really. really no, I mean wrong. it's definitely one of those things where you there's not a handbook on how to do this stuff. There's not a handbook on pricing. There's no you know it's a lot of intern like sharing knowledge with people that you know may not have it or you know asking people above you that are you know at the top of their game and. Uh, I remember sitting, and we were mentioning earlier, like sitting at meetings, like these first client meetings I had, like Googling on my lap with my cell phone what a transparent PNG was. You know, <laughs> they're like, can you do cut out transparent PNGs? And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and I'm literally typing it onto yep, my phone. I can and, do it. And just, yeah, you know, so <laughs> if, you know, that fake it till you make it idea. But there, there are no like massive ledgers or, you know, and the internet's kind of a dangerous place to go looking for that information because everyone has their own way of doing it. So I find asking a trusted and true colleague, friend, or, you know, just someone you look up to. The funny thing I found about techniques on the internet is not only does everyone have their way of doing it, but everybody simultaneously is also wrong. <laughs> everybody is wrong and everybody else will tell you that everyone else is wrong. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I like I watch the people in my office, like the motion graphics guy like cringe when I edit stuff because I have these weird ways of masking and using the lasso tool and just like these quick like fixes, but it gets the job done. But right at the I, end of the day, you yeah, know. just the, the most destructive editing that you've ever seen, not creating layers or masks or anything but it gets it gets it done and at the, you know at the end of the day it's the way i learned how to do it and if it looks good you know in my mind then I think yeah it's okay. of course are you working on any personal projects anything like that recently uh interesting you ask i'm cooking one up um right now i'm a little even nervous to like put it out into oh, dude, the world come on put it out um so yeah put it out fortune favors the bold <laughs> as they say um I, I feel more a little bit more comfortable because i have laid some groundwork for it and i've reached out to six or seven people um but it's uh basically the, the idea is just uh women who inspire me um, I think there's a lot of momentum um, for women this year, uh, and I'm the biggest fan of all of it. You know, I think uh, what's happening uh, culturally is is very beautiful, and you know, I've always been one of these people. I grew up uh, with very, very strong women in my life. My mom's like a warrior, uh, always, you know, just brilliant and amazing, and just an inspiration from the, the very early on. And my aunt and my cousin, I've always looked up to. You know, I gave a speech at her wedding. I was her best man, and. I always said how excited I was when she was done her sports season to wear her jersey around for the next six months, you know. Uh, so it's really just kind of a response to, you know, that kind of growing up and then just, you know, what I was mentioning, this cultural thing, but really people on a daily basis that inspire me, uh, mostly I would say through social media, you know, if it's a funny stories they put up, you know, or just their hustle or, you know, they way they present themselves and seeing their work uh, or their passion for their line of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just going out to them and taking some photographs of them, you know, by themselves, a really nice portrait and then kind of doing whatever it is they do. If they're a photographer, uh, one's a stylist at the top of her game. Uh, and you know, two of our, our friends that I become close with this year that are just amazing people, they'll send you a text message, you know, just, uh, with love and light any, any day of the week, you know, just 
somehow when you need it so most. That's the difference between like girls and at least guys like me. Cause you ain't getting texts like that from me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Max, I need something from you. <laughs> but it, you know, it's those, it's those people that, you know, reach out with, uh, just, just to make your day a little bit better, you know? And, uh, I guess I got some buddies like that who will, who will, you know, they'll just kind of like, like send you a song or something. Yeah. Just, hey. yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not in that in touch with my feelings. Like, it felt nice, <laughs> like, but I guess, I mean, it's kind of cool. That's as, that's as much as you'll get out of me when it comes to that. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's definitely something, uh, I haven't done one in a long time. The last one I did was years ago and it's something that fell to the wayside. And when I was, it kind of just came to me, unfortunately through like some kind of negative things that had happened and, uh, really not just, having to do with women. Uh, actually to, having to do with women, but, um, it just, uh, I really just wanted to go out and, uh, uh, let these people that uh, affect me on a daily basis shine a little bit, you know, and I think one of the things I had a conversation with uh, a person the other night that was, I was kind of bouncing ideas off of and, you know, I don't really want to put my hands in it too much. I almost want the, the story to shine a little bit and let them shine and just kind of spread what, the, you know, what they mean to do to me and what, you know, their hustle does for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something I'm going to get started hopefully in the next couple of weeks here and, I think it'll live, unfortunately, on or fortunately, on Instagram for a little bit, and then I, I do have a gallery show next year. Uh, so, I, if I can get the body of work ready for it by then, is it primarily like right now, friends of yours, people that you know more personally that you're getting lined up? It's a little bit of both. So, it's people I've met, you know, once. Uh, a person that is a, the farthest reach is the the stylist I mentioned. You know, she really just. Her Instagram story on a daily basis, she's flying halfway around the world and then coming back. Um, and it's just amazing to see the level that she does what she does at. And uh, so there are some far reaching and then super, super close, you know, people. Uh, and then, you know, I, I was thinking about kind of ending this this little run of it with family. So, you know, I was gonna say, yeah, I feel what you're talking about your mom. Yeah, coming back, Get her involved. To, yeah, man. coming back to her. And then, you know, my cousin and my aunt and just kind of showcasing that that's where it all kind of starts, you know, so yeah, and you don't have any sisters or anything like that. I, I don't. So I'm an only child. But my cousin that I keep talking about, she was an only child as well. I mean, we're thick as thieves. So growing up, you know, we were pr- pretty much at a sibling level, and I think still are. So one of the first or maybe second shoots I was out on you with, you told me a strange story about additional things you were born with. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind talking about it on the podcast? Because I know of nobody else that can that can uh, that could vouch or or tell a story quite like that. Yeah. So going back to my mom's side of the family, um, her grandfather was actually born with six fingers and six toes. My mother was born with six fingers and six toes on each hand and foot, and I was the same way. So. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Uh, I still have the scars. If I knock my hand on the side of a table, I still have nerve endings over I there. Do you get like the people talk about ghost pain Fa- sometimes? Fa- I don't phantom think pain. I don't phantom think pain. I yeah. had it long enough to have <laughs> phantom feelings. But I mean, if I knock it on the side of a corner or something, I mean, there's definitely uh, still some so nerve strange. ending in there. It'd be but, weird if a little fingernail grew out of it. Yeah. Like, what are you doing in there? Yeah, I mean, my, it's funny too because my scars are pretty hidden. But you know, even my mom's are like even a bit more gnarly. And I remember her telling me a story like her grandfather, her my grand fathers literally looked like they went to the butcher shop and just cleavered it off so yeah it, it's it's pretty special and well at least it's a testament to modern uh miracles of modern medicine it, it is you know <laughs> as, shoes are a little tough and ski boots are even harder but for the most part it you know do you think it gives you an advantage with like balance i mean i know that you don't have it left but i mean i always think about if i did you know like the, <laughs> right. i could have been yeah, the, be a wrestler yeah, or something the, the world's greatest guitar down. player piano player <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. court stenographer whatever um but yeah it's uh, it's definitely something that you know i always think about and it'll be cool you know if i ever have kids to see if they come out with it or not 
and you would have it taken off. Like, is it? It's a fully functioning finger. Yeah, or? I mean, mine were. I mean, they do. Some people do have like one. So some people get it on one hand or one foot. But mine were pretty fully formed, and there's still like a ball joint kind of cartilage situation Does, in there. Is there a medical term for that? Because if called, it's running yeah. in the family, it's got to be something, right? It's called polydactylism. I'm I'm not a scientist or a, you know know anything about Punnett squares. Does it have anything to do with pterodactyls? <laughs> it does, <laughs> it does not have anything to do with uh, pterodactyls, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 not the, the most common thing, especially with the, the full set and you know multiple generations in a row. But I like to think it's like a little special thing. That, yeah, you know, I was gonna say, like for crying out loud, I've never asked that question to anybody else before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's definitely a conversation starter, an icebreaker that it's always fun. Or like I'm sure you've been to these orientations or these meetings where you know what's your thing, what's your yeah. crazy what makes you different. Yeah. Well, Everybody else, get ready to pack up and go home because this guy's got six fingers and six toes. It's, it's, always, that. it's always a good uh, part of our story or something. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely. Yeah, because you told me we were, we, were, we were doing a shoot. We were on Broad Street in Philly. It was pitch black. We were photographing a fashion client of mine, finishing up a lookbook thing for the day or something. And you just, I think you even said her, told her about it. And I overheard it. And I'm just like, hold on a second. <laughs> Are you being? Tell me this again. Yeah, I have a, I have a pretty good baby, a couple of good baby pictures of this little. How old were you when it got lopped off? So I was a I was actually like a gigantic baby. I was almost uh, I think I was like eleven pounds, thirteen ounces Whoa. of birth. I mean, yeah, I was because well, you had extra stuff, right? And twenty five inches. I was long, you know. I basically walked out. So. Um, hey mom, I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, so I mean, there's really funny pictures of me like not even fitting in like the baby tubs and stuff. And but yeah, I think they were able to take it off at a, probably earlier than most people would have because I was just so large. But yeah, there's some pictures where I look like a little burn victim with my hands and all legs up. all wrapped up. But yeah, it was uh, you know I miss it from day to day. But yeah. <laughs> it's probably in a jar a somewhere. Missing. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> well, yeah, I would imagine you because you probably want to save the stuff for, for research purposes. Is right. I don't know. Some weird doctor keeps in a jar of vinegar on his nightstand You're or something. Wearing it around his neck or something. <laughs> yeah. This was my third finger. <laughs> well, there's you, you know there. I've heard the story of um, uh, what is it? Warriors will take the they if they kill somebody, they'll take the first bullet or something. Or the first person they kill, and it, I forget. It's called like a hog's tooth or something. I mean, I know they'll make it. a necklace out of it. Yeah, I've heard it's about like snipers weird. wearing ears around their necks. Like I'm I'm good on all yeah, that. Yeah, luckily I don't have a violent bone. <laughs> I don't have a violent bone in my body, so that has always yeah, made good. me cringe. I, I don't know that you need a violent bone in your body to be like the ear necklace is not necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily my thing. But you know, hey, if it's yours, I guess I'm all no pun intended. I'm all ears. Uh, um, wow, that's kind of crazy. That's I mean, I knew about it, but I didn't even know to the extent that you just. Uh, that you just kind of share. Yeah, I have to dig up a picture later. And unfortunately, wild, I can't. wild that it runs in the family too. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't come through. So like my mom's sister doesn't have it, but my mom had it, and yeah, we'll see. You know, I, do you I, brag about it at family dinners? Like we're part of the Six Finger Club. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely. I mean, we know we're better, but we don't tell. It's, we don't make to try to. <laughs> we know we're superior or just yeah, mutated. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. we know we know from but. a different planet. That's pretty cool, man. That's that's really neat stuff. That's pretty cool. So uh, moving forward, are you you're trying to read? I mean, I shouldn't say rejuvenate, but you're working at an agency that's doing a lot of motion stuff. You're more interested, though. I shouldn't say more interested because you obviously love the job that you have and you don't want to go anywhere. Um, but you you still have a passion for the still stuff, right? Of course. 
what kind of stuff are you – I know you do a lot of architectural stuff and, you know, like a, I guess it would be considered architectural, not real estate, right? Right. doing more like stuff for a website of this apartment complex or that home or, you know, things like that that are being rebuilt, reconstructed, renovated, things like that. Is that the kind of stuff you're interested in continuing into or is it just whatever's available? No, I mean I think definitely one of the big focuses is – I mean like I keep saying I've been shooting a lot of weddings the past couple of years and unfortunately – the past couple of years, I've had to miss my best friend's wedding, you know, I, a couple of those just because I'm booked so far out in advance. I've had to turn down being in a bridal party, being a best man, you know. It's overrated, and, that stuff anyway. And it's overrated, but it, uh, to say no to someone when they ask you for those things is really hard. And just having to, you know, miss these uh, – life happens on the weekends, you know. Um, so – Unfortunately, you know, I've, I've been kind of missing out on family time and concerts and time with friends and these events, you know, so I've definitely been trying to find more work that happens during the week, you know, during regular business hours to try to kind of reclaim my weekends. Um, but yeah, I mean, just I think food has become a really big passion. I was really fortunate enough to go to a food workshop last week and really got some like... So wait, for cooking or for just shooting? For styling, for like food styling and just learning. Just All the weird lacquers and shellacs exactly. you put on food to make it... You know, and just kind of knowing a little tip, you know, tricks of the trade and, you know, like layering and kind of getting messy with it and just, you know, it was really, really eye-opening and just kind of, again, like, you know, finding those gigs that happen during the week, you know, if it's corporate headshots or if it's, you know, more portrait work, more product work, you know, I I do, like you mentioned, I've been loving uh, the development work I've been doing. You know, I have a a very close friend that, you know, does a a lot uh, in terms of renovations and changing, you know, the shape of buildings and what they look like. And even the building we're sitting in right now, I've, you know, I've been in, in it since the, you know, it's been an abandoned hole and now to live in it and have that connection to space is really, really interesting. And, just being able to, you know, document that change, you know, seeing it under framing, seeing it with drywall has been really, really unique experience. And I, I, I kind of, I enjoy that work a lot. Mm. And you, your, your cat was not found in this building. He was not found in this building. He is a fish town find, but yeah, mm-hmm. that was, that was years and years. But ago. in the wall of a building is where you found Yeah, pretty cat. much in, in a, in a basement of a, an old church I renovated years ago. Uh, it was a school. It was across from a church, but it was an old Catholic grade school and we renovated it and he had been living in the basement for how, God knows how long and uh, was all kind of hungry and dirty and yeah, I, I took him home one day and we've been best friends ever since. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. So I, I, I wrap up the podcast usually with a question that I've been asking everybody. Do you have any irrational fears, phobias, things you're afraid of, things that terrify you, things that you would turn, run, screaming from, things that make the hair stand up on the back of your neck? It's okay if you don't have anything, if you if nothing in this life fears you. No, I'm, nothing I'm, in this life scares you, I should say. Not, I'm definitely, not a, I'm definitely a, a, a a scared person. It's not usually in a normal affairs, you know, like I don't have the heights thing. I, that's I, good. I don't want normal, normal fears yeah, are kind of boring. I, I, I like, I kind of fought that. I skydive for years. So I know that's not a thing. Um, I think I have like a, I definitely like a spider snake one. That's pretty strong. Like spiders freak me out. I hate spiders. Yeah. I would definitely go with like the animal realms. Like I, like, for instance, birds inside. Like if you ever had like seen a pigeon in a train station, like I hate, I hate when birds are inside flying around. That's definitely you're one. Like, you're doing this thing. Well, I think when we were like kids, we would have like catches with baseballs at night and bats would swoop out of trees at the football or the baseball. And I think that like swoop down thing, like kind of Still got in, in there, mind. got in there somewhere. But 
Yeah, in terms of irrational, I'll go. I'll go that realm. You know, I'm 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 not a fearless by any means. I'm probably still afraid of the dark. Like even in a place as small, <laughs> if I hear a bump in the night, I'll like look you know behind the shower curtain and stuff. So I'm definitely like a, a scaredy cat. But I'll go with I'll go with spiders and snakes. <laughs> spiders and snakes, it is. Cool, man. I appreciate you being a part of the podcast. Uh, jumping on. Well, we'll probably get back together. I, I envision there being multiple guests who are on multiple times, and there's so many different stories and things that that can be built out of out of one different. Uh, like one friendship if you will yeah absolutely man it's been such an honor you know like we said we've known each other for a long time and just to see how you've you know grown the Tutvid world and you know I've always obviously been a fan of your work and always held it in some of the best work I think out there and of course I mean but that's it goes without saying so yeah it's such an honor to be here and I really really appreciate it cool no thanks guys we're gonna wrap this one up I'll catch you in the next one hey before you go Thanks for checking out my podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe to the show using your Apple Podcasts app. While you're there, I would love it if you would give this podcast an honest review. The ratings and reviews are really cool to see. If you don't think the show is worth five stars, well, let's just pretend it is. Don't forget, new podcasts arrive every Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with an occasional surprise show on Tuesdays. Until next time, this was... The Dodcast.